This episode of the Esoteric Order of Roleplayers is brought to you by the generosity of our backers on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash esotericrp to find out how you can become a backer too. We create and broadcast these episodes live on native lands. We acknowledge these are unceded lands, with diverse communities maintaining connections to these places, and recognize their ancestors, their elders, both past and present, and future generations. Learn more by visiting the Native American Rights Fund website at narf.org. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of me, David Larkins, and I'm going where I've never gone before. Flight Control Officer's Log Supplemental Having departed Deep Space 4, hopefully not to return for some time, we have been dispatched by Starfleet High Command to investigate and, if necessary, make contact with an alien ship, possibly a generation vessel, on direct course for Earth. Sensor scans indicate this may be an even stranger vessel than we first thought. Okay, and we are back. <clears throat> so, if you're listening to this in real time, it's been a couple weeks since the last Captain's Log entry. I hope you enjoyed our little made RPG one-shot, if you dared to listen to it. I myself have been been and gone and returned uh, to Genghis Khan uh, 2024. I think it was their 46th. Convention, so Genghis Khan 46, I guess, um, which was a lot of fun. And now I'm kind of trying to get back into the uh, Star Trek Adventures mindset. So I distinctly remember talking with my story producer, aka Des, about the latest developments, and I have a very distinctive memory of her saying, do you want to write any of this down? And I said, no, no, it's all up here, pointing to my ever-trustworthy brain. And, uh, well, two weeks and one convention later, and uh, and one made one shot later, I might add, uh, you know, I'm sure it's still all up there. Hopefully it'll, it'll sort of uh, come, you know, tumbling out if I uh, shake hard enough, but... Um, Anyway, we're just gonna we're just gonna uh, endeavor here. We're gonna power power through, and um, just see what happens. the The broad stroke that I do recall, um, I, I recall the overall ideas that that we kind of threw around, is to maybe um, maybe go for a little bit of a comedy uh, beat on this one. Um, you know that that's that's as much a part of the Star Trek tradition as. You know, the deep philosophical questions, the uh, wrenching ethical or personal dilemmas, the, you know, uh, investigation of, of new lives and new civilizations, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
every once in a while you need your Trouble with Tribbles episode or your Harry Mud episode or, um, you know, the one, <laughs> that one where they all, um, you know, dressed up like Robin Hood's Merry Men. Um, something like that, you know. That's very much, very much in keeping with, with the Star Trek uh, vibe. And um, I'm just curious if I can actually pull that off in a uh, solo RPG context, which is a fun challenge, I think. But, you know, at the same time, no guarantees. We'll try our best. And the other problem, of course, with solo gaming is that you don't have a, a GM or other players that you can, like, sort of fall back on and, um, you know, and be like, oh, what happened again? So, uh, but just as a quick reminder, reviewing my notes here. So, we've been dispatched to check out this city ship. Uh, it is uh, a ship with uh, sentient protists as its inhabitants. They are equivalent in terms of tech to Federation. Uh, they are bringing along an offer of flora or fauna. And they are polytheistic anarchists, which is cool. And let's see. Oh, and we have a Klingon ship that is accompanying us. So that was one thing I did look up after the last uh, episode. I just wanted to refresh myself on the honestly somewhat murky history. This is, again, one of those things, I think I've talked about this before, where from an outsider perspective, like I tend to think of Star Trek as like one of these, uh, one of these settings that has like tons of lore, tons of things that are sort of nailed down. And I mean, that is true. But then you, you kind of find these sort of surprising um, gaps, you know. And so one of the one of the gaps, not so much a gap, I guess, but one of the things that's like not as as clear as I might have thought otherwise is the um, precise history, let's just say, of how the Federation and the Klingons ended up, you know, allied to each other. Uh, you know, it, it it just struck me as a little murky, is all I'm saying, you know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I just uh, you know missed some key details there in my review, but that's just how it came across to me. I was expecting maybe a bit more detail, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So anyway, that all being said, uh, in our current uh, timeline in our in our current year in the in the 2050s, uh, or I'm sorry, 2350s, 2352 to be precise. Uh, this is a relatively new thing. In fact, I think 2350 might have been the signature of the, the accord or the treaty that uh, sort of cemented the alliance between the Federation and the Klingons. So, I mean, like, it, it is definitely early days. So I'm sort of imagining that this is, this is partly, like, been engineered or, or arranged sort of as a means of uh, 
you know, demonstrating, ah, yes, we can work together, you know. Uh, so, that being said, I should probably quickly uh, generate some details uh, for the Klingon ship as well. And let's see, what else? What else do we need to do before we jump in here? I think that's about it. Like I say, I have some ideas of where to go in terms of this protist city ship and what they're offering. And then just as like one last reminder, uh, the the theme of the of this whole mission, which again is a you know, in case you forgot, <laughs> is not going well so far. I have four fails out of five scenes so this is not great um but you know that was largely owing to uh, you know the the um sort of vision of Kyushu's eventual doom and when just not having a really great time on board Deep Space 4 so you know hey we can start. We can start our star date over whenever we want, and um, and try and you know just try and try and turn things around. I guess right. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we had we had sort of a mission theme of research and transform, research and transform, and the big question, of course, was. Uh, which direction are we going with, with that? Is it the Federation researching and the aliens transforming? Is it, Are the aliens transforming themselves? Are they transforming us? Are they researching and transforming us? Vice versa, you know. And um, again, I have some ideas, but we'll just we'll just kind of see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. So uh, I just need to grab a handy dandy uh, Klingon name generator and then we can be off and running all right so we have got a uh klingon ship a cavort class bird of prey bird of prey of course is your iconic klingon warship this is a cavort class is kind of the larger variation these are like a light cruiser and uh it is the IKS Jakala, captained by Kata, Captain Kata. So, there we go. The magic of random generators comes through again. Okay, so, um, so we left off with our uh, intrepid Kyushu crew arriving within sensor range of this alien city ship and beginning to run some scans. And that was our act break. And so, let's see, how are we gonna do this? So, so I guess, you know, the, the act opens with when reporting to um, to uh, Captain Galvin. Oh, by the way, 
there should be a link in the show notes for this episode, and I'll, I'll have gone back and added a link to prior episodes as well. Uh, I went ahead and set up a wiki. I just figured it would be uh, good for myself just to kind of keep track of everything and uh, and so forth. But yeah, I went ahead and uh, sourced some, some character portraits. I found a, a nice little site that has some character portraits of, you know, various actors and actresses in uh, Starfleet uniforms and, you know, such is my commitment to the fidelity of the setting that I only selected the ones where the person had um, used the first season TOS uniforms with the lower neckline because we established in the 2350s that was Starfleet uniform. Um, so just, you know, just saying. It's attention to detail, people. It matters. So anyway, all right. So the uh, scene opens with Wynn reporting back to, uh, or reporting the um, sensor readings to Captain Galvin. Um, uh, basically what we sort of established last time. Um, yeah. and, and here's the thing. So when you say city ship, of course, you get certain images going through your mind, you know, like, uh, I don't know, some, something out of like a Sid Mead kind of, you know, 60s, 70s, uh, Omni magazine kind of thing where it's like, you know, in the 25th century, mankind will live aboard giant orbital ships, you know, that, that's, that, that uh, derive all of their energy and, and uh, requirements from the light of the sun and yet are, you know, big floating panels, you know, or else maybe you think of uh, Wally or one of these, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, situations where it's, it's essentially just a big floating, um, you know, carnival cruise liner or something, you know. But uh, with the protist thing, you know, I talked about slime molds last time and we have we we know this is an anarchistic society they have a titular monarch which is hilarious um and uh and so i really feel like this isn't really so much a city ship as it is just one gigantic space amoeba right <clears throat> however it can break out into into smaller component parts you know so like this Again, you know, I talked about the Borg, you know, the sort of resonances with the Borg last time. And, uh, I, you know, I have not seen um, the Star Trek movies yet that have the Borg Queen in them, but uh, I am aware of that character. I'm aware of the point of that character. So it's kind of a <clears throat> similar thing here. Excuse me. Kind of a similar thing here where it's like, uh, you know, we have the the amoeba essentially can, like, create um, humanoid iterations of itself in order to communicate right so I think the first thing we're going to do here uh, so you know Wynn is reporting back to Captain Galvin uh, you know, Captain all sensors indicate uh, that this is a living organism not so much a, a starship itself but uh, just one gigantic colony organism um, it shows signs of, uh, of mass sentience and, uh, and abundant life. And so 
I think I have two questions. One, even though even though like we've established like this um, species is on par with the Federation as far as technology, so we know they're warp capable. Does that necessarily mean they have comparable uh, technologies? I guess you could say. Like in other words, uh, do they have transporter technology? If Captain Galvin orders Wynn to uh, see if, you know, uh, we can get them up on, on screen, if we can hail them, uh, do they have that capacity? You know, do they, do they have any, like, technology that would interface with the Federation, you know? So, I think on both counts I'm going to go with somewhat... Well, should I go with somewhat probable or probable? Let me roll to see. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could just as well go 50-50. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tilt it slightly in the direction of a yes. Like, yes, they do have transporters. Yes, they do have, you know, um, subspace communication capabilities. Only because it said it's equivalent to the Federation in terms of technology. And, as an added bonus, that just, again, feels very, like, kind of in tune with Star Trek, where it's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> every planet, almost every planet that, you know, an away team beams down to just happens to have a breathable atmosphere, happens to have tolerable levels of radiation, you know. Every alien species happens to have a ability to communicate with the crew in a way that, you know, makes sense, right? And, of course, there's exceptions to the rule all the time, but... I'm just saying, you know, at the end of the day, it's a TV show or a movie, uh, and the writers want to keep things relatively simple. We don't want to, like, get lost too much in the complexities of what would, you know, actually pertain if you encountered an alien uh, species, even if they were equivalent to you in terms of technology. So, having said all that, do they have transporter technology or something equivalent? somewhat probable and that's a no do they have subspace communication somewhat probable and that's also a no well see there you go that's what I get for trying to rationalize things um, interestingly enough that second one would have been a no even if I had said highly probable because I was a 19 uh, and the first one would have been a yes if I had said probable um, but nevertheless, it's fine. All right, so Captain Galvin uh, shoots back. Remember, he's still kind of pissed at Wynn. Um, can you figure out any way to communicate with, with, with this whatever it is? And so Wynn is sort of, you know, <laughs> punching it off like, uh, well, let me see here. And I think at this point, is the, um, is the Jakala going to show up? Let's say probable. Yes. Okay, so as Wynn is like um, trying to, you know, <clears throat> run some, run some, uh, you know, frequency scans, you know, to see if, if these guys are broadcasting on any level, if, these, if this giant space amoeba is, you know, maybe uh, hailable. Uh, another, let's see, uh, our, our trusty Ensign, uh, Ensign Kehoe, uh, uh, says, Captain, it appears the uh, Klingon vessel has just come out of warp. 
and uh, and is hailing us. And so Galvin says on screen, and you know, whoop, up, up comes uh, Captain Kata. So again, we have we have a certain amount of tension here. You know, the Federation and the Klingons are still trying to kind of figure out how are we going to work together. How's you know how's this going to actually uh, play out? You know. Um, so let's ask the probability matrix really quickly. Do any of the bridge crew have a major problem with uh, Klingons? And we'll say that that is probable. And the answer is yes. Okay. So let's see. Is it Captain Galvin? 50-50. No. Okay. So Captain Galvin is... A model of professionalism, as always, you know. And uh, and he says, uh, Captain, glad you could join us. Um, we were just in the process of attempting to make contact with this uh, strange vessel. And uh, you know, Jakala, um, you know, in the in the inimitable uh, Klingon style, uh, um, simply says. Um, have we considered sending a an away team to uh, talk personally with the people aboard this ship, or with the beings aboard this ship? And um, Captain Galvin says, That may not be possible, Captain. It appears to be uh, one large uh, colony of organisms rather than a starship proper. Um, so... So one of the things I, I identified last time as a potential interesting complication is that, you know, the Federation ship is here really to make contact, and the Klingon ship might be more interested in just, you know, destroying the vessel and saying that's good enough, you know, especially if there's a perceived threat from the vessel. So here's where it gets interesting because I feel like the way that the the alien vessel is going to interact with our um you know Federation and Klingon uh crews is going to kind of determine that in a way and sort of drive the narrative all right, so we know that we know that these beings can't communicate in traditional means, and that makes sense. That actually makes sense because this, you know, this whole thing's supposed to be a puzzle. Yes, we're we're going to try and move towards a more comedy thing, maybe in Act Three, but Act Two is really more about solving this puzzle, right? How do we? How do we interact with this ship? You know, um, hmm, you know, just thinking here because I see I see a few potential outcomes here. It could be that with the arrival of these ships, the um, the alien ship is gonna just try and evade. Just be like, you know, oh, you know, I don't like having these other vessels so close we got to continue on our mission to earth which you know again that's sort of the big question right why is this why is this like you know amoeba 
uh, colony heading towards Earth. You would think, right, you would think that uh, it's going to be something sinister. But that might be the twist. You know, for once, there's an alien ship heading towards Earth that doesn't, you know, want to destroy it either passively or actively, right? Uh, so again, we got to keep the research and transform elements forefront in our minds. Hmm. Now, something else amoebas do, of course, is they expand. They uh, they launch pseudopods, right, to capture nearby organisms. There we go. I think. That's how we're going to do it. So we've got one of two possibilities here. Either this ship's going to go to warp, and then we'll have a fun little chase scene going on, or it's going to launch pseudopods to grab the Kyushu and Chikala and pull them in. Because if you don't have transporters and you don't have subspace communications, how else are you going to talk, right? So, um, we'll leave out the probability matrix, but I'm going to say, for the sake of a fun story, that it's probable that this ship is going to launch pseudopods at the uh, two starships. So, yes, quite so. All right, so the two captains are talking when... Uh, suddenly, all the proximity sensors start going off, and you know, uh, and Kerensky, you know, jumps up and says, "Captain, they're attacking us!" And uh, you know, before we know it, uh, you know, we, we get this outside shot of this, you know, big old amoeba, and you know, I mean, if this is next gen era, of course, we've got somewhat dubious uh, CGI, and you know, <laughs> it's that kind of blobby liquid mercury kind of uh, thing that was so hot in the 90s as these uh, two pseudopods go you know shooting out and capturing the two starships I don't really think there's a need to roll first of all I'm not even sure what the hell I would roll for that secondly I'm loath to engage with the starship combat rules again so soon I know last time I said I was going to look around online I did I didn't really find anyone talking about like fixes or house rules or errata for the starship combat rules in captain's log which leads me to believe that either i'm an idiot and i you know didn't understand the rules myself or there just haven't been a lot of people playing using the starship combat rules or the ones who are doing it are coming from star trek adventures and there's some kind of like unwritten stuff in the captain's log rules that if you had played starship adventures you would intuitively understand but if you're someone like me who's whose first exposure to star trek adventures is through captain's log i'm like totally lost right i'm like i'm not what am i not seeing you know oh i had to have played star trek adventures i suspect it's the latter right because it is it is very difficult to design for the novice when you're already sort of immersed in a game right anyway that being said uh, the other reason I, I don't think this really needs a role is just because uh, it's an un it's completely unexpected. You know, it's just out of nowhere. And you, know, you can't even really take evasive action 
you know, if something like that happens, right? So just, you know, zoop, walk, you know, captures him, starts pulling him in, you know. So <clears throat> that being said, I do think there's a chance for a role here because Captain Galvin would no, no doubt be ordering evasive maneuvers. So uh, Ensign Kehoe, who is piloting at the moment, uh, is uh, going to try and, you know, uh, punch in the uh, impulse drive engines. And of course, Kyushu does have an imp improved impulse drive. So this would obviously be engines mm -hmm, plus con. So that's a 13 or less. If we roll a 3 or less, that, that kicks in the improved impulse drive. All right. All right. So I got one success on that. Okay. Um, no special outcomes. No special advantages, momentum, or any or threat generated there. Okay. With the one success, so I think I think the um, the Jakala gets pulled in regardless. Um, just for plot purposes, you know. No, no, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be so uh, arbitrary. I gotta go to the probability matrix, right? Okay. So, does the Jakala escape? I'm gonna say improbable. There's nothing that says I can't wait the results in favor of what I want. <laughs> All right. So, no, the Jakala does not escape. Okay. So, okay. So the Jakala gets pulled in. Kyushu got one success. Now, if I had generated momentum or if I had activated the improved impulse drive, I kind of feel like that would have been an opportunity to make a, a totally clean escape, right? Uh, instead, so what we have here is, is the Jakala gets just pulled into the amoeboid entirely. Kyushu is... Uh, you know, firing its an impulse drive, and so it's still trapped in the pseudopod, but um, uh, you know, it's not been pulled in all the way. Okay. Thankfully, I can mark that down as a success on the first scene. Thank God. Alright, so just as a reminder, we have four failures, now two successes. You have to have more successes than failures to have a milestone and get um, get some character improvement going on. So, but we're halfway through the mission here, so you know there's time. There is time. Okay. So that being said, as we move into the next scene, um, you know we're we're at um, um, you know. Code Red? What the hell they call it? Uh, yeah, that thing. Anyway, <laughs> all the red lights are on. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, you know, the klaxons are blaring and, and so forth. And, I, you know, I'm kind of, I have this, like, mental image of the goo, the protists, the amoeboids, uh, sort of, like, infiltrating into the ship. You know. Hmm. All right. So let's let's just go. We're, this isn't start. This isn't starship combat for God's sake. But, <laughs> um. But what we've got is 
uh, I think just kind of a struggle. We've got a struggle on our hands, right? So, um, so let's let's see what we can do here. So, it's kind of like the ship's um, shields and you know overall structure. So that's structure of nine, security one. Okay, so the the amoebas are trying to uh, come into the ship itself, uh, you know, and so let's just see. We'll, we'll, uh, this next scene will be sort of that, that fight as, uh, as all the, the ship's, you know, warning sensors go off that, you know, like, uh, um, alien organisms attempting to, uh, penetrate the, you know, the hull of the ship. Okay. So I got one success for us. Good. Ten or less. Okay, that's one for them. So far, no momentum, no threats. Uh, one for us. Okay. I like how I'm shaking the dice before I put it on the dice tower, like as if that makes a difference. Okay, one for them. It's two to two. So whoever wins this next roll. Hey, look at that. I won and generated a momentum. Woo! All right. So we've got a momentum. All right, so despite their best efforts, the, the space amoebas have been unable to... Uh, breach the um, you know outer defenses of Kyushu. So let's think about what that means. Well, I mean, first of all, obviously we get another successful scene. Whew. Okay, so three, four, three to four in favor of you know successes to failures. Okay, but we have a bit of a we have a bit of a detente here. We have a bit of a standoff, right? So the amoeba ship has captured Kyushu, but has not been able to, you know, breach its defenses. And however, the Klingon ship has been compromised, right? So let's let's do let's do a roll there. Let's see here. Has the uh, has the Klingon ship been invaded by? these amoeba creatures, I'll say that's somewhat probable. And that's a no. Okay, so they're holding out as well, even though they're, um, you know, within the belly of the beast, so to speak. Um, so maybe the next scene is is we get uh, <clears throat> we get uh, Captain uh, Kata back up on back up on the screen, and of course, you know, there's a lot of uh, interference and static coming through, and you know, they, they're also on their um, emergency settings, you know, uh, the the bridge of the ship, you know, looks like a um, an old submarine, you know, under attack by death charges or something, you know, and, and, uh, and so Galvin says, Kata, thank God, I thought, I thought you were lost for good, and Kata says, ah, not so easily. Uh, we, uh, our, our birds of prey are made of stronger stuff than that. However, they, the, uh, the enemy appears to be attempting to, uh, penetrate our defenses on all fronts, and I do not know how long we can hold out. And, uh, and, and Galvin, uh, let's see, 
Ah. What is Galvin's reaction to this? So again, we have... Um, mm, okay. So at this point, uh, um, Katas says, uh, uh, we are preparing to uh, defend ourselves and uh, uh, fire uh, all weapon systems in, a, in an attempt to destroy the vessel from within. Uh, does Galvin think that's a good idea? Somewhat improbable, I would say. Uh, but he does. He does. Okay. So he says, uh, do whatever it takes to get out of there, Kata. I don't think Galvin is, uh, this guy's sus, you know? He's, <laughs> he's a little sus to me. I don't know. He's got some interesting, uh, ethics. Um, but yeah, Galvin says, do whatever it takes to get out of there, uh, Kata, you know? So, um, all right. So there we go. There you have it. So, um, so I think, uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna see how that goes here. So we're gonna do another, uh, quick resolution as the, um, as the Klingon, uh, vessel opens up. And I think in this case, we're gonna go, we're gonna go best out of five because we're, we're fighting a, uh, a city ship for God's sake. I don't know. I mean, dare I dare I do the starship combat again? Maybe. I know I was just saying that I don't want to do it, but at the very least, in terms of um, in terms of tracking damage or stuff. But see, here's so okay. Here's the thing. I will tip my hand at this point. Here's what I'm thinking about for our amoeba friends. I think that the the transform thing is is uh, key. Um, I'm going to assume that most, if not all, of you who are listening are familiar, or at least might remember that Futurama episode where Fry eats an egg salad sandwich from a space truck stop and gets um, infested with these parasites, these worms. But the worms are actually uh, helping him. They're exercising his, his muscles and neurons and stuff and, uh, you know, giving him the uh, strength of Hercules and the flexibility of Gumby. Gumbercules! I love that guy! And so, I'm thinking it's something similar to that because, remember, the thing they had to share was flora and fauna. And as Protus, they're kind of, that's kind of the same one and the same they're not quite animals they're not quite plants i mean they're they're not either they're their own thing right because they don't fall into either of those categories so in that sense they are they are neither and they are both right so if if they're here to research and transform and i think that maybe that's why they're heading towards earth why earth specifically we don't know that yet i that one i i don't really have any good ideas and you know maybe we'll never know maybe you know maybe that'll be key to solving this whole mystery maybe it'll barely feature right um we'll find that out that being said uh i think they're more than happy to also perform some some research and transformations of their own on anyone they can get their hands on 
but it's a beneficial thing. So again, you know, the theme is fascinating to me because the whole theme, not just of this mission, but of the, the captain's log uh, story we've been creating so far, beginning with uh, when being a trans character, right? And then, you know, we, we've had uh, psionic entities trying to take over uh, the minds of the Kyushu's crew in order to stow away uh, and escape from this collapsing planet. We've had the Borg and and now we've got um, this, you know, amoeba peoples who are gonna, you know, climb aboard as well. So I, you know, at the risk of, it's like, I'm kind of on the fence, like, is this repetitive? Or is this just thematic? Are we are we kind of creating an, an overarching theme? And just to make myself feel better, I'm going to go with the second one. Uh, you know, but if you if you happen to agree with that, please let me know. Uh, if you don't agree with that, then keep it to yourself. But anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, whatever, whatever you whatever you feel, you know, one way or the other, or some other way about it, uh, and you want to share, please share. That being said, uh, for now, we're just going to kind of roll with this. And, of course, you know, so that's the twist, right? Is that the amoeba creatures, they, they, they can't communicate through subspace. They communicate by um, sort of, you know, merging with other organisms and then sort of benefiting them. It's like a symbiotic relationship. Um, you know, personally, for myself, uh, some of you may know that I... Uh, played a lot of Rifts, uh, the Rifts RPG, back in the 90s. And that was one of the technologies in that setting where um, it was called Biowizardry. And you could get these, like, various symbiotes and other, you know, <clears throat> uh, organisms or entities kind of implanted into your body. So it was almost like, yeah, it was like bio uh, biopunk, right? It was, it was like, instead of getting, like, a cybernetic arm or whatever becoming a cyborg you become a bioborg you know this is that kind of concept so i'm leaning in that direction and that's kind of why i've been rolling to see like are these amoebas penetrating into these starships and uh and so far the answer is no but we've also got our we've also got our monarch you know so that's going to come up. But anyway, let's go ahead and see what happens with uh, our uh, bird of prey, the uh, Jakala, as it uh, opens fire from inside of this uh, giant space amoeba. You know, all of, all of this might be uh, pointless, right? Because uh, it, might, it might blow the thing up. Oh, yes. Anyway, uh, before I start doing that. So the reason why... I'm hesitant to use like a ship damage table in the traditional sense of the starship combat is that this this amoeba is not trying to hurt these starships right it's just trying to communicate with them in the only way it can um so i think ooh, oh boom 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 okay see this this is the fun part of this right I, you know i'm gonna be honest with you like every single one of these episodes has been a struggle because <laughs> i'm just sitting here uh, you know, just sort of riffing, rolling dice, and from any any one minute to the next, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But that's the point, right? And so, 
the fun part is when I'm kind of like, I guess I'll do this, and then at the last minute I'm like, oh no, wait, this is actually way more interesting. So I just realized I have that point of momentum. You can spend the point of momentum to generate a story advantage. So let's take it, let's refocus on the protagonist, on the nominal protagonist. So our captain, as usual, is kind of being a dick and he's like yeah sure you know just give them all you got you know let's see what let's see if you can blow this space amoeba out of the out of the out of the water uh <laughs> yeah just let's see if you can blow it apart from inside right uh when suddenly when little light bulb goes off over her head and she's like she's she says captain wait what if this thing is just trying to communicate with us i'm not able to rate because remember she's been trying to raise them on a on a hailing frequency this whole time i'm not able to raise them on a hailing frequency i don't think they have the ability to talk to us in that way maybe they're just trying to come on board so that they can communicate with us okay boom so there's going to be two challenges here first win has to win over haha uh captain galvin right and then captain galvin has to you know, convince um, Captain Kata, you know, not to open fire. That's going to be far more difficult. But if we can at least get Captain Galvin... Actually, they're both going to be difficult because, honestly, again, Captain Galvin is pissed at Wynn. So I'm sure he's, like, less likely to want to listen to her. But that being said, I think this is going to be Presence plus a command so that's a 12 or less and I think her um, focus of empathy would apply here unfortunately my command which is the operative um, discipline uh, is just a 2 so I'd have to roll a 2 or less to generate a, a focus uh, advantage but nevertheless let's see what we can do 12 or less overall. <gasps> I rolled a 2. I rolled a 2. Okay. <laughs> I rolled a 2. Okay. So just the one success, but uh, I generated an advantage off that focus. I believe, if memory serves, that it is largely still, it is like generating a momentum. But let's just see. They immediately create an advantage or roll on the advantage table. That advantage is now activated and can be woven into the narrative. Okay. So, I think the advantage that we're generating here is, um, is that I will give Captain Galvin momentum in trying to convince uh, Captain Kata not to open fire. So, so Galvin... Uh, meets Wynn's eyes, you know, they they lock eyes for a moment, and, and he's suddenly like, oh my god, she's right. And so, you know, he, you know, as as we see um, Captain Kata, you know, about to give the order to fire, Captain Galvin says, Kata, wait! And uh, let's see what happens. So, let's see, we've got comms plus command of 12 or less with momentum. Um... Meaning, meaning what exactly? Um, he can spend that momentum in order to, I believe, give himself 
success? Let's see here. Has been a couple weeks. Bear with me. Bear with me. Let's see here. Okay, so uh, a re-roll. That's what it was. That's what it was, yeah. Okay. So I can spend my momentum re-roll a single d20. Alright, so like I said, this is going to be hard. This is a Klingon we're talking about, right? This is a Klingon under attack is how he would perceive it. So I'm going to make this difficulty two, but um, I can spend that momentum to give myself a re-roll. So, uh, yeah. Let's go. Here we go. 12 or less. Okay, I rolled a 12 and an 18. So I'm going to re-roll that 18. And another 12. Okay, hey, good enough. Oh. Kata, against his better judgment, holds, and he looks at Galvin. And he says, <laughs> he's not happy, right? He, he, he just says, uh, he says, uh, you know, I don't see, this, this is where my, my, my uh, ignorance shows through. He curses in Klingon. How about that? And he, said, he says, what? What is it, Captain? And Galvin, thinking quickly on his feet, knowing that he's dealing with a Klingon and he can't just appeal to, necessarily appeal to his, you know, angels of, of his uh, better nature or whatever, uh, says, um, um, if you fire from inside the, the being, it might destroy your ship and ours as well. And, uh, and Katab narrows his eyes and he says, that could be, Captain, but... Um, I cannot think of any better way to extricate ourselves from this dilemma. All right. Sweet. So, we're now four and four. We've got four successes against four failures. Things are turning around. We're doing well. We've got two more scenes in this act. So, as I say, um, I, feel like, I feel like the sort of comedy part is act three... So if we're doing the kind of, you know, um, amoebas uh, transforming people thing, uh, that's where the comedy can come in, right? Because maybe it changes their personalities, you know, that sort of thing. So act two is more about like figuring out what the hell's going on. So let me think about this. All right, well, in keeping with um, wanting to, to center the narrative on our protagonist and Galvin being pissed at Wynn, I think it's time for a spacewalk. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, Gal Galvin says to Captain Kata, um... Don't worry, Captain. I think I might have an idea. You hold tight. Uh, mess, you know, uh, signal us if uh, anything changes. And Kata kind of gives a an irritated snort, and he, um, you know, pieces out. He logs off. And then Galvin turns to Win and he says, "That was some quick thinking, Lieutenant. I think you might have just saved a bunch of lives." and not just our own. I think you've also volunteered yourself to go out there 
and communicate with these entities. And when swallows hard and says, I, Captain. So we're going to, uh, you know, switch to the um, sort of shuttle bay where uh, Wynn is being outfitted in, you know, another environmental suit like we had in a previous mission. And, uh, you know, Captain Galvin is there. Um, and our, um, let's see, who else? Who else would be there to, to cheer Win on? <laughs> uh, our, our science officer, Lieutenant Commander Timir. Our medical officer, of course, Lieutenant Frakes. Uh, so, of course, Win wants to do very well on this to impress him. And, um, yeah, so, so basically the uh, shuttle bay doors uh, open up uh, with a, uh, you know, a great and ominous uh, sliding door noise. And we can just see, we can see out beyond the open bay doors, just this massive sort of like undulating, oscillating, again, like 90s CGI sort of liquid uh, texture sort of, uh, and, and maybe it's, it's sort of, um, it's almost like it's breathing, you know, there, there's an almost rhythm to it, you know. And of course, it's being held back by the shields. So uh, Captain Galvin is saying to Wynn, "You understand your orders, Lieutenant." And Wynn says, "Aye, sir. I am to um, step outside the bay doors. You will close them behind me, and then lower the shields. And then I am to attempt to communicate with this organism directly, as it seems to be the only way that it can um, effectively do so." And, uh, and so Lieutenant Frakes is, you know, shaking his head and he says, I just think this is awfully risky, Captain. I don't know. This, uh, are you, and he says to Wynne, are you sure you want to do this? And she looks into his beautiful blue eyes and says, of course, I was born for this, Lieutenant. And, uh, and with that, she turns and begins inelegantly clomping towards the uh, the open bay and uh, and so she passes beyond the doors which shut behind her with a clank and then the shield is lowered and the uh, the goo <laughs> comes in and envelops her and so she is uh, looking all around she can see now like right up on the the visor of her helmet uh you know untold millions of individual organisms I, i'm i'm thinking like they're they're individual organisms that are large enough they're not microscopic amoebas you know so they are large enough for her to actually um discern um but then they draw away from her creating this sort of bubble and stepping from stepping out from you know the this mass of of uh protests 
is um, is this uh, sort of humanoid shape. And yes, this is just like that Futurama episode because there is a there is a, a worm king, if if we recall. He's got a little crown and everything. Uh, but um, I think this is this is. Um, of humanoid figure uh, of comparable size to win and oh maybe even it, it looks a little bit like win right at least facially because it's just sort of mirroring her you know and uh, and it speaks it vocalizes and it says um, it says uh, greetings we are Uwame Ogopa. So there's a, um, a, a very interesting little um, alien name generator in the back of this book, and you basically just roll like to see how many syllables you're dealing with, and then uh, what order syllables you know from columns A, B, C, and D that you roll on. So it might be like B, A, C, D. So you'd roll on column B first, and then column A, and then column C, and then column D. So that's what I got. I got Uwame Ogopa is the name of this ship, the name of this species. Are they one and the same? I think so. Um, we mean no harm nor threat to uh, you or your companion vessel. We are en route to your home planet of Earth on an important mission. Uh, to which Wynne replies, and of course, you know, obviously she's on like open comms, right? So everyone, everyone can hear this, right? So uh, Wynne replies, um, if you mean us no harm, then why did you capture us? And uh, the Slime King says, um, it is the only way that we can communicate with you. Uh, although we possess similar technology to yours, we do not have um, equivalent ways of interacting. I myself am um, simply taking this shape and, uh, in fact, am merely the designated representative of the uh, billions of other uh, organisms that make up this uh, larger entity that you might call a starship, but we simply call ourselves. And um, so Wynne says, um, what is your goal? Why do you, why do you want to visit Earth? Why do you want to communicate with us? And uh, the Slime King says, I believe that we can reach a mutually beneficial exchange uh, between our species. And um, Earth seemed the most likely planet to accept our offer. You humans are well known for your adaptability and changeability and openness 
to new ideas and new ways of living, are you not? To which, of course, when says, um, I can't deny that. And uh, so the Slime King says, um, Our offer is merely one of exchange of uh, advantageous um, adaptations. If you would permit me to show you, I can demonstrate on you, and you can go back to your crew and show them. Okay, so here's where things get a little interesting, right? So Wynn, of course, has a daring of 10. She has a science of 13. Um, let's look at some of her other features here. Um, the crew comes first, and sensors can't tell you everything. Those are her two remaining values. She has empathy as a focus, and of course one of her, you know, she's human, but she's also trans. Those are her two traits. So I think when we take all of that together, um, now again, like I, I'm not entirely sure if like with my main character, am I using the probability matrix on myself or am I just free to make my own decisions, right? I think all those things taken together, um, I'm still gonna go with the probability matrix, but I'm gonna say it's highly probable that Wynn is gonna agree to this. So 18 or less, yes, that's a three, so yes. Um, so Wynn thinks about it for a second and then detaches her helmet from her spacesuit since we're within this uh, bubble of oxygen that's been provided. Takes the helmet off and says, um, do what you need to do. And at that point the the amoeboid, you know, sort of collapses in on her again, and then, you know, we cut to commercial, right? <laughs> All right, so the next scene, we are, um, I think, in, uh, in the medical bay. Um, and Wynne is, you know, lying on, on one of the uh, beds, but looks perfectly fine and, and says, I'm telling you, I, there's nothing wrong with me. And, and Lieutenant Frakes is like running these scans over her, you know, and so let's see, let's see what his scans turn up here. Um, let's see here. Do, 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 yep. Sensor plus medicine, 12 or less. Oh, how interesting. So I got a 12, but I also generated a threat. I like that. Okay, so, um, so yeah, so he, he turns to uh, Captain Galvin and says, um, uh, I think, I think uh, Lieutenant Sedino is correct, Captain. I, I'm not turning up anything uh, 
um, unusual in terms of her vital signs. However, uh, there is um, some kind of a um, uh, foreign body or uh, you know foreign organism um, in her system at the moment. However, it does not appear to be causing any kind of an adverse reaction. All right, so I generated that threat. Let's uh, let's go to the threat table. Let's see what let's see what we got here. What are we what are we dealing with? You know, um, because yeah, I think we could. We're we're coming up on Act Three here. I think we could use a little, you know, little shake up. Right, you know, see what happens. See what's going on. And um, yeah. Let's uh, see if I can actually find the threat table. How about that? That's, um, that's quite a, a concept. Okay, there we go. All right, so... Oh, no, that's advantages and complications. Uh, let's see. Okay. There we go. Okay. Momentum spends are here. Threat spends. Okay. Threat spend matrix will give you an initial direction for what kind of complication you have gained by spending your threat. First, roll in the threat spend theme matrix, then roll in the subsequent matrices to get more specificity about the nature of the theme. Also, you can simply choose the entry that makes the most sense for the circumstances for your game, or you can roll more than once if the first result does not fit. So we've got gravity, we've got hostile alien entity, psionic incident, Ship in distress, subspace, systems failure, or temporal anomaly. God no. <laughs> We've had enough temporal anomalies. Um, systems failure could be one uh, in that the ship is beginning to fail under, you know, like being surrounded by this um, amoeboid. Um, subspace, eh. Ship in distress, no, we're already in distress. Psionic incident, um, possibly. Hostile alien entity, we're kind of, mm, you know, mm. and then gravity. <laughs> Interesting. One of them is just too much gravity. <laughs> All right, so let's see here. Looking at sonic incidents, and ah, uh, yeah, here's a good one: mutation or augmentation resulting in new telepathic abilities. Booyah! Okay, so that's what we're gonna go with. So uh, Dr. Frakes is saying, like, yeah, there's you know, there's these foreign organisms in her system, but they don't appear to be causing any problems. And, uh, and, and suddenly in, in the minds of, you know, uh, Lieutenant Frakes and, and Captain Galvin, they can hear Wynne's voice and she's saying, that's right, there's absolutely nothing to worry about. Everything is perfectly under control. Um, to which they, of course, uh, gasp. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and freak out a little bit, and so I say that's going to be the the act break there. Uh, Lieutenant Frakes got a successful roll 
on that diagnostic. So we'll call that a success. And so that is going to take us into Act 3 and the possible comedy? <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. Um, okay, so I don't think there's any need for a supplemental log at the moment. Um, but uh, let's see, where do we want to go from here? I think the next logical step would be to check in on the Klingon ship and see how they're doing. So first things first is, although Captain Galvin was able to, um, you know, win over Captain Kata in the moment, uh, what are the odds that that? <clears throat> it's going to actually uh, last, right? <laughs> Is Katah just going to get uh, increasingly impatient and just, you know, start second-guessing Galvin's judgment? Maybe their own science officer is like, Sir, I do not think that if we open fire, it will pose any danger to either ship. You know, something like that, right? So, has Captain Kata changed his mind? Let's say that's somewhat probable. Ah, still a no. All right, so Kata, you know, says, uh, be that as it may, we uh, must not endanger our allies. So, hmm, okay. Now, now we have to see, have the, uh, have our, our friends, the Wame Ogopa, um, managed to get into the uh, Klingon vessel, right? And so we can do that in a couple ways. We can, we can run it as a contest. I can simply roll on the probability matrix. I think we'll just go with the probability matrix at this point. And um, we'll say it's probable. We'll say it's probable that the Ogopa have, have uh, penetrated the um, Chakala's defenses. Okay. Indeed they have. So, um... Back on Kyushu, Wynn has demonstrated uh, telepathic abilities. Um, so I think we're, we're uh, <clears throat> let's see, I don't think Wynn would necessarily be returned to the bridge. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're still in, in sickbay uh, when um, Captain Galvin gets uh, notified that uh, Captain Jakala uh, wishes to uh, speak with him. And so he uh, tells Frakes to keep an eye on Sedino and he departs for the bridge. Uh, so back up on the bridge, uh, Galvin brings uh, Kata up on the big screen. And so I think at this point, you know, we see a, a, a very uh, strange scene indeed in which um, uh, 
Kata and his bridge crew are all sort of smiling and laughing, and uh, and and Kata says, "Ah, Captain Galvin, so good to see you. Well, I am glad that you are um, still thriving, sir. Um, might I invite you to beam?" aboard our ship so that we can meet in person and uh and so galvin you know thinks uh okay this is weird um you know he and kerensky exchange a look and uh and and he says uh well um thank you very much captain but i'm not sure if our transporter uh beams will uh be able to penetrate the um intervening uh material that separates our ships um we can we can barely receive you on our um transmitter here um as i'm sure you're aware and uh and kata says oh that is no problem whatsoever captain um the uh wame ogopa have informed me that it is perfectly safe they will ensure that. And, uh, and Galvin says, oh, they've informed you. How is that uh, possible? Are they, um, have you made contact with them somehow? And, uh, and Kata says, ah, yes, we, all of our crew have made contact with them now. And uh, we uh, are all the better for it. I, and he turns to the others and he says, I've never felt so good. I don't know about the rest of you. And they're all like, hoy, yeah, you know, punching their fists in the air, uh, stomping their feet, you know. And he says, you see, uh, encountering the Owame Ogopa has been the greatest thing that could have possibly happened. Uh, we, I don't think any of us want to necessarily leave. Certainly not any time soon. And, you know, the bridge crew are like, no, absolutely not. And so we get into another one of these classic Trek tropes. Which is <clears throat> our, um, our sort of main characters, our heroes, if you will, um, encounter some kind of alien entity or being that, uh, you know somewhat objectively offers to make their life better in some way you know um like imagine the entire crew uh of the kyushu uh having you know the strength of hercules and the flexibility of gumby you know uh and i mean come on right but <laughs> the thing that always comes up in those episodes especially in TOS is like Kirk's always like you know the uh, the killjoy right he's always the one who's like no no we can't we can't give in we can't allow ourselves to be tempted and I mean I, I guess the sort of underlying message there is like if it seems too good to be true it, it probably is there's going to be some kind of a hidden cost you know um but there's also kind of a like a reluctance to allow your sort of core sense of identity to be undermined or otherwise changed by an outside agent, you know. So I think there's that as well, you know, that it might interfere with your your duties as a Starfleet officer, right? 
uh, if you if you kind of give into this sort of stuff. Uh, it's a s bit of a slippery slope argument, I guess. You know. So all that taken together, I think it's improbable. No, nay, it is highly improbable that Captain Galvin's going to fall for any of this nonsense. And no, of course. Of course not. So, so uh, Captain Galvin uh, politely refuses uh, Captain Kata's offer. And, uh, and, and he says, um, perhaps a little later, Captain. We are uh, currently um, working out some issues of our own here. And, um, and so uh, and Captain Kata says, uh, well, uh, at the very least, you should uh, agree to uh, host their king uh, as, a, um, as a sign of your good faith. Uh, that is what we did, and um, we have no regrets. And, uh, and Captain Galvin says, "Oh well, in, in fact, one of our crew has already communicated with with the Ogopa King, and uh, and yes, they are they are the very model of hospitality and um, agreeability. I do agree with that." And um, and Captain Kataz says, well, very well then. I had no idea. Uh, well, in that case, we will sign off for now. But please, uh, when you are ready to come visit, uh, hail us and we will uh, welcome you. And, uh, and then he signs off. So, um, what can we do with this? So, so, that, so that was a scene. I'm going to call that a success only in the sense that uh, Galvin... Uh, you know, resisted the urge to, uh, you know, head over to the Klingon ship. There we go. Um, okay, so back in sick bay. <laughs> All right, so I don't know if this will be like a comedy episode um, quite so much as... So I, I like the idea of kind of bringing this full circle, though. So it's not exactly a comedy episode, but I, I do I do like the idea of bringing it full circle in a kind of a more lighthearted way. So we've already had some festive Klingons, which is always entertaining. It's always entertaining when when Klingons uh, kind of you know break break character a little bit and uh, you know have a good time. But. Um, I was uh, I, I just saw some some footage of uh, Michael Dorn in, in full wharf makeup uh, kind of a, an outtake because he was you know sort of cracking up from some off off camera antics from some of the other uh, actors so you know I'm, I'm definitely picturing that you know anyway um, so we've had a little bit of that in terms of lightheartedness but also I just think, you know the deep space four stuff was like so it was just it was it was grim you know it was it, it was emotionally uh wrenching for win and so um i think this might be an opportunity you know she's she's alone with um lieutenant frakes you know what can we uh what can we do with that so uh so remember our our uh, protist friends are going to be 
the the whole idea here is they're going to be um, helping out. So I don't know if like that means uh, you know let, let let's let's do a little GM ruling here. You know, part of doing these solo games is you're constantly sort of switching hats between being a player and being a GM. So let's do a little GM ruling here. Let's say that that uh, with those um, protists in your system, the Agopa, uh, in your system, uh, you generate momentum even on a single success. Okay? Only for, like, personal roles, of course. You know, not for ship roles. So, back in sickbay, um, Lieutenant Frakes is saying, like, well, Lieutenant Sedino, I, I think there's really no reason for me to hold you here. Um, you're free to go, but um, perhaps you might want to head back to your quarters and, and just take some time to, to sit and, uh, and uh, integrate everything that happened. And, uh, and Wynn says, uh, yeah, I think that's fine. Um, but, you know, before you go, before you go, before I go, um, there is something I've been wanting to tell you for a long time, uh, Lieutenant. And, uh, you know, he turns around, he's like, oh, what's that? You know, with his little, his little cocky smile, you know, his twinkling eyes. So, um, Wynne is going to, she's not going to tell him her feelings. She's just going to let him feel her feelings telepathically. So that's going to be a, um, I think, presence. Not necessarily insight. Presence. Um, plus command, I think. Yeah. Okay. So 12 or less. Okay. So I got the one success. So that, that's going to generate a momentum. I'll spend that right away to uh, create a story advantage. So with the one success, when uh, successfully uh, communicates to Lieutenant Frakes her feelings. And he gets that loud and clear. And so I think with the advantage... Um, he uh, feels the same. Feeling is mutual. And so, yeah, I think um, I think they just sort of exchange a very, like, significant um, look. And then he just takes a few steps over and pulls her in. And they, uh, they share a kiss. So there we go. We'll call that a success. And, um, and so I think on top of that, of course, if they're kissing, uh, I think Frakes, uh, just took on board some of the Ogopa himself. <laughs> so, yeah. So now he's got, he's got some of the, uh, protists in his system as well. All right. So, um, so that happened. So we will move on to the next scene. Hmm. 
I'm finding this can be sometimes the trickiest part of these is, uh, you know, where do we, you know, how do we want to frame things, you know? So we've got three more scenes to go. So we have to resolve the issue with the ship going towards Earth and whether that's going to happen and whether that's a bad thing, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think we'll reserve that for the last couple scenes. So for this next scene, we're back on the bridge. Um, as uh, Wynne and Harrison uh, come a come aboard the bridge uh, from the turbo lift, and <laughs> are they holding hands? I mean, so so one thing we've we've sort of established with the Klingons is that if you have some of these um, some of these symbiotes, we'll just call them, uh, in your system, it sort of elevates your mood. Uh, it, it, you know, maybe it sort of, um, it has a, um, a sort of euphoric effect, you know, on your overall emotions. So are they holding hands? Let's say that that is probable. And they are. So they're holding hands. They're smiling. Uh, you know, now Captain Galvin has just gotten off the horn with, um, you know, Captain uh, Kata, so he's he's going to be extra extra on guard for the for something like that. You know, it's it's not going to be uh, it's not going to take him you know by surprise to see that. And in fact, he's probably going to go, "Oh no!" <laughs> so he uh, he stands up and, and he says, "What is the meaning of this? Why why are you uh, why are you holding hands?" And and when says, "Oh." Oh, Captain, let's see, what's his name? Oh, Jace. That's <laughs> his first name. Jace, it's fine. It's fine. Harrison and I, we're in love. It's as simple as that. And uh, and Frakes is like, it's true. We are in love. We've been in love for a long time. And uh, it really just, it took an encounter with these these wonderful uh, little symbiotic creatures to uh, to, to tell us that. You know, and uh, and Galvin uh, turns to um, uh, Lieutenant Commander Timir, science officer, and says, um, "and says we need to uh, we need to get these two quarantined um, immediately." And and Timir nods, and and uh, sort of simultaneously, uh, Kerensky uh, signals to. Um, um, security officer Kresar, you know, and says, um, um, escort those two, uh, back to sick bay and, and make sure they're quarantined and, uh, you know, keep a healthy distance from them yourself, Kresar. And so the, um, the Cation, uh, nods and, uh, walks towards, uh, Wynn and, um, Harrison and, uh, and, you know, the two of them, are, they're, they're fine. They're fine with that. They're, they say, oh, Certainly, we understand. We understand. We're we're not here to to frighten anyone, of course. And uh, and then I think when looks at uh, Kresar and, and sends a little telepathic message slash you know empathic burst, you know, just kind of saying um, saying like there's nothing to be afraid of, and um, and you know if you'd like we can uh, we can show you what this is like, you know. 
So again, we'll go with presence and command. And let's just see what happens. And remember, we just need one success to generate a momentum. And not only did I get two successes, but I also triggered a focus uh, for wins empathy. Uh, so, and we generated a momentum. Hot dog. Okay. So, let's see. I think, um, I think for the momentum, let's roll on the momentum advantage table. I think for the focus, will just generate a, um, a story advantage in the form of Creesar of kind of thinking like, hmm, maybe it's not that bad, you know. So uh, let's see here, we'll pull up the momentum spends. Okay, let's see here. Well, we've got the friendly aliens table, of course. Um, let's see here. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Romantic interlude. Interesting. Uh, is there anything else? We've got new technology. Possible. That's definitely possible. And we've got refuge. Not so much. No. Okay. Let's see. Let's look at friendly alien encounter. So we've got advanced medical help. So I had speculated last session that, you know, perhaps what the Ogopa can offer is like some kind of uh, some kind of cure you know for for one of the few medical conditions that star, you know uh, Starfleet medical tech can't really handle very well um, let's see what else so that that's a possibility deliver good news I mean okay Help with scientific breakthrough, possibly. Offer additional personnel, not really. Offer hidden knowledge, mm hmm. Offer helpful technology, eh. Offer of raw materials resources. Offer the use of a ship. Offer to mediate conflict or romantic interlude. Um, okay, so I think of those, I mean, there's advanced medical help, there's hidden knowledge, um, scientific breakthrough. So those are some possibilities. New technology. Um, let's see what we've got here. So we've got things like communication upgrade or engine efficiency improved that don't really fit, I don't think. New medical procedure. Um, structural integrity, transporter range boosted. Yeah, no, those don't really. So I think friendly alien encounter for sure. And... Um, hmm. I like, I kind of like offer hidden knowledge. I'm just not sure exactly what that could be. Also help with the scientific breakthrough would make sense as well. Okay. All right. So, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, and, and we'll mark that down as a success, by the way, at the end of the day, what I need to decide here as we're coming up on the end of this mission is, do we go with your standard Star Trek ending where, um, you know, although the crew seem to think, because <laughs> essentially what happens is Kreesar escorts um, 
you know, Wynn and um, Lieutenant Frakes off the bridge. And then, like, the next thing we know, Kreesar is, like, laughing with them, you know, in the... Uh, in the bar, you know, <laughs> like they're all just sitting around, like sharing a drink and laughing, you know. So, uh, yeah, so Kreesar has now um, taken some of these symbiotes um, into uh, her her system as well. So we need to decide, are we going for the standard Star Trek ending of, yeah, uh, you know, the captain, captain knows best and you know, you can't do this, like, you, we gotta go back to how things were, or is this, like, an interesting little shift in uh, our our own version of Star Trek continuity, where the crew of the Kyushu all take these symbiotes on board, and then the ship is allowed to continue on to Earth, and then, you know, Earth uh, sort of integrates with the with the uh, Ogopa, you know, you know what I mean? Like, is it is it that kind of a situation? Is there a hidden catch, you know? I mean, we rolled that these guys are friendly. We didn't roll that there's any any kind of, you know, subterfuge going on. It's, a, it's the research and transform are the themes. So there is a certain transformation that's occurring. So I'm wondering, and then we've got the um, we've got the the advantage here of like um, help with scientific breakthrough or hidden knowledge, whatever whatever we want to do there, you know. Hmm. Offer of hidden knowledge. I like that a lot. That's so interesting to me. Oh gosh. So we've got two scenes left. I think what it's going to have to come down to, we're, we're just going to have to play it out and see see where Galvin lands on this, you know. But uh, yeah, so so we've got our trio in the um, in the sort of the mess, the Kyushu's you know officers' mess, and uh, you know. I think oh, maybe Galvin sends Kerensky to just check up on things, you know, and, and so she goes to the sick bay and sees that nobody's there. So then she starts searching the ship. She lets Galvin know what's up. She summons a couple security, uh, you know, ensigns or, or whatever, security personnel. So she's got a couple couple of these guys backing her up and, and they come into the, the mess hall and she's like, you're here? You're drinking? What is going on? And, uh, and when, when says, um, oh, Verena, have a seat, join us, you know? So I think maybe that's the thing is that like, there's some breakdown in discipline that's going on, right? You know, we suddenly we're not respecting rank. We're just doing whatever the hell we want. You know, we're drinking while on, on duty, etc. As I take a sip, but, um, <laughs> yeah, so. I'm still like my mind like the gears are still turning in terms of like what what is this hidden knowledge other than I mean it, it could be something existential like the hidden knowledge is that the magic was in you all along you know <laughs> like, like like the hidden knowledge is just like a deep personal insight um, about yourself you know 
So, for for instance, uh, Frakes realizing that he actually, you know, had feelings for for Wynn, you know, and then acting on it. Uh, you know, maybe Kreesar is having some insights as to uh, why they're so angry all the time or something like that. You know, not that we've really explored Kreesar's personality that much, but we'll just say maybe they're angry all the time and now they're understanding why, you know. So, so Kerensky, uh, okay, so I think it's like, let's say, um, highly probable that Kerensky is going to order um, all three put under arrest. So that is uh, 18 or less. Yes, that is <laughs> that is success. Um, so as the two security officers move forward, I'm going to say that Wynn uh, sends out a little telepathic signal just saying like, um, are you sure you want to do that? Um, wouldn't you rather sit down and have a drink with us? So again, presence plus command. I've been I've been pretty lucky on these rolls because it's it's a twelve or less, which is not great, you know. But let's see. Ha! I I knew it. I jinxed it. I jinxed the hell out of it. So not only did I fail, but I also rolled a threat. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Okay, so I generated a threat. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's a fail on that scene as, um, as we, we cut to, uh, the, um, uh, uh, Frakes, Kreesar, and, um, and Sedino all, all in their own cells in the brig, you know? Um, so this, this actually sets up an interesting, um, transition to the next mission because I was already thinking that basically I wanted to do a JAG trial for the next mission uh, you know just for wins and subordination and here we have yet more insubordination to pile on top so I'm actually totally comfortable with this with this um, outcome and I think there's really just the this last scene which is going to sort of resolve how Captain Galvin, who obviously is is like, you know, that's enough of this foolishness, you know, um, how he's going to handle um, breaking away from the, um, you know, from the Awame Ogopa and, um, and, and heading back towards Earth uh, ahead of it, right? So... So maybe the Agopa, the Awame Agopa itself can only do like warp three or something. You know, it's it's not terribly speedy. And so Kyush is gonna race ahead to, you know, bring a warning that, oh, this weird, you know, uh, alien vessel that's gonna take over the minds of everyone and make them really insubordinate, you know. So <laughs> it's on its way, it's coming this way, you know. So yeah, I like that, I like that. So really, we just have to roll and see. Now, of course, we could also have an outcome in that the Kyushu fails to uh, get away, fails to break out of that pseudopod, and um, and then the Awame Ogopa just shows up in orbit around Earth with two captive vessels, you know? So let's do that. Let's find out. 
find out if this is a two-parter or not, you know? Well, it is going to be a two-parter, but find out what kind of two-parter it is. So, Visions of Future Past, part one. Alright. <laughs> okay, so... Which, you know, honestly, the hidden knowledge... See, that, and that gives me a chance to think some more about, like, what is this hidden knowledge? Because maybe it is some other stuff that's, like, you know, plays off of that that show ti- that episode title visions of future past okay all right so let's let's just do one last um uh, sort of extended contest here and we'll do best two out of three like we did before and we've got the engines plus con 13 or less improved impulse drive and then we still have this threat to spend okay so um, when it comes to a contest, let's see here. When it comes to a contest, we have the usual spends for a threat, but we can also spend the threat to add one hit, remove one hit from opposition, make the next task difficulty two, or create a complication. Okay, so what are we doing, 13 or less? Here we go. All right, so I got one success for Kyushu, so one nothing. Okay, what is that? That is a four. Ah, all right. So that is um, that is two successes. However, I'm going to spend my threat to um, remove one of those. So that just gives us the one, but it does also generate a momentum. Okay, there we go. And all right, <laughs> okay. So that's really interesting. I, let's see, that was a success, but I also rolled a threat but I also have a momentum. <laughs> so I'm gonna spend the momentum to negate the threat, and then that success makes it three. So the Kyushu breaks free from the pseudopod that's been holding it, uh, you know, sadly forced to uh, leave the IKS Jakala trapped within the uh, giant space amoeba. But, um, you know, this is, this is for the best as Kyushu uh, rushes back to Earth in order to bring warning of these, this perceived impending threat as uh, our final scene is, um, you know, Wynn and Frakes and Kreesar all, like, sort of telepathically communicating with each other in a really creepy fashion down in the brig. And so let's do the closing log, and then we'll take a look at... Um, we we did pull it out of the fire in terms of getting more successes than failures. This was definitely the closest yet. We ended up with uh, five failures against ten successes. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll we'll do some milestone leveling up for win, and then just a quick review for the next uh, mission. Although I largely know what that's going to be, and. Um, and then we'll wrap it up. So let's just do the closing log here.
We are in the brig, yet we are free. The knowledge of the Agopa bring us is a great gift, and in time the captain and all of Starfleet will see that. We wait the arrival of the Awani, then all will be revealed. All right, so let's see here. We have two values that we need to generate, and we can also, okay, so then we're, we're also milestoning it up, and I know exactly what I'm doing there, which is I'm increasing my command, which honestly makes sense. I was leaning on that a lot this mission, so it makes sense that it would go up. So that makes it a three. I almost want to keep pushing that, make it a four next time should be pretty cool um, okay but other than that I think really we just have values um, so let's see here now there's a values table in the character creation section I believe values matrix yeah there we go okay I like I've I've found that rolling rolling randomly on this table has worked pretty well for me up until this point. <laughs> but let's just take a quick skim of the what we've got here and see if um, anything jumps out in terms of like the experiences that Wynn went through this mission. Uh, let's see. Mm -hmm. Ah, we are all connected despite being worlds apart. I like that one. We are all connected despite being worlds apart. Okay. And... Uh, let's see here. This one's interesting. You must walk barefoot in the dirt to really understand a world. <laughs> I like that. The other one is exploration is the blood that fills my veins. I like that too. I'm going to go with that one. Okay. Exploration is the blood that fills my veins. Okay. Cool beans. So, yeah, that is Visions of Future Past, Futures Past, Part One. So for Part Two, let's see here. Like I say, I'm, I've got a pretty good idea of um, you know what I want to do. It's going to be an Earth, an Earth side uh, mission. And let's see here. So. Let's see, generating mission types. Okay, I think, wasn't, yeah, Starfleet JAG has its own, <laughs> its own thing. Um, okay, so let's get out our new mission worksheet here. And, unless I ran out, do I need more? Oh no, there's one. Okay, I'm running low though. All right, 
All right, so it is a Starfleet Jag mission. And let's look at the table here. Advise Starfleet on enemy species is a possibility there. Um, defend fellow crew member in alien court. Defend Starfleet officer in court. Uh-huh. Um, okay, there's some cool ones here. Uh, let's see. Prosecute errant captain. Um, serve on court-martial case. Mm -hmm. Transport jagged court hearing. Uncover tainted evidence. Um, I like advise Starfleet on enemy species. Because I think that's what it's going to turn out to be. But we also do need to do an actual court-martial. Um, so I'll just put a note in for that. Court-martial. All right, themes and incidents. Let's see how we can complicate all this. Incident. 17. Transform, again. I mean, that makes sense, yeah. So incident, transform. You know, we're, we're carrying that forward from, from this part one. Theme, however, is a 16. Spatial rift. Oh, no, 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 no. I've had enough of that. Enough of that. All right. <laughs> Get away. Um, sentient machine. Interesting. Interesting. Um, there's some crazy shit on this theme table. I, I've, I've never actually read through the thing. Like, energy being, exploding planet. Um, of course, we had living ship. Or did we? Well, anyway. Um... Quarantine zone. Quarantine zone. I like that. Let's go with theme. Quarantine zone. Yeah. Sentient machine. Unknown life form. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. I want this one to be a little more down to earth. Advantages is a 16 again. Historic precedent drawing upon past mission logs helps inform the crew as to how to best handle the situation. Oh wait, no, I have to roll. I have to roll odds and evens. That's right. Hold on, hold on. All right. So, geez, I rolled another sixteen on my other d twenty. Good lord. All right. So that is an advantage, uh, and I rolled a sixteen. So yeah, we'll we'll just stick with that roll. All right. So historic precedent. Drawing upon past mission logs helps inform the crew as to how to best handle the situation. Interesting. So maybe something like with the Borg, right? It's like, hey, this is just like how the Borg wanted to assimilate us. What's the big idea? All right. Um, okay, so encounters. Um... Use the encounters probability matrix to really make your mission one of a kind. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Okay, so let's see here. Um, I mean, some of these just don't fit, you know. So let's see. Inhabited planet. Um, okay, that's something else. 
subspace, different reality or time. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if any of these really fit, honestly. Um, yeah. No, these don't really fit. That's fine. So, um, yeah, I think we, we kind of have an idea of what we want to do here. So, I don't know if there's really any need to go further than that at the moment. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think we're okay for right now. I'll, I'll page through some of these matrices before the next session, though, and just see if there's anything, anything else might be, might be fun, you know, so, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, uh, so we've got... So the the uh, agope are still going to want to um, transform the peoples of Earth. We've got a quarantine zone. We've got Jag involved. We've got to advise Starfleet on this alien species. We're going to have a court martial. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. And then uh, and then of course the the funnest part is dealing with the fallout of all of this. So. Um, We'll just see how it goes next time. Until then.